the free for all roundtable round one joining me on round one robert benzi queens park bureau chief at the toronto star power group communications and host of the o show laura babcock and mark warner international trade lawyer big story yesterday of course was the meeting between the premiers and the prime minister on health care and coming out of it and here's what trudeau said obviously uh, it's been a tough few years but there's a need for support now and better results for canadians now but also uh, into the coming years as we build a more modern system that will respond to the challenges of the coming years. All right, Robert Benzie, the Premier's, my understanding is, went in expectant and came out a little disappointed. Yeah, Jerry, I mean, they were asking for the equivalent of $28 billion annual increase, and they got the equivalent of a $4.6 billion annual increase. So it's not what they were looking for. But as as uh, the Manitoba Premier, Heather Stephenson, who's the head of uh, the Council of the Federation, that's the Premier's organization, uh, she said, look, it's, it's, it's more money than we had yesterday, so it's, it's better than nothing. And, and Doug Ford, the Ontario Premier, made the point that, look, this is a down payment. Uh, it was actually a constructive kind of a situation, Jerry. You didn't have any drama or histrionics where Premiers would be storming away. Not that they really can. I mean, they're there kind of cap in hand and they need federal money. Um, but it's probably more constructive on their part to do what they did yesterday rather than to be uh, theatrical and, 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 and leave the meeting in anger. How did it look to you, Laura? Uh, it looked as though they're they're exactly what we were just hearing from Robert. They need the money. They know that doing some sort of stage antics might play to their local base, like back in Alberta or whatever. But is it going to get the money from the from the federal government? No, it's not. Trudeau wasn't making a deal. He was giving them money and saying, "Go use it." What I'm concerned about is not that they all look like they're being responsible adults. It's what they're actually going to do with the funds. If the strings aren't attached, that they have to use it for health care, how much of it is going to be put into the healthcare system. I mean, some premiers love to say that they're balancing the budget, that they're saving money, that they're not spending, and they might hoard some of that cash. We desperately need it into our healthcare system. So I was hoping that there would be much clearer directives from the Prime Minister on that. Well, it is a provincial responsibility, so uh, there's only so much the probably that the Prime Minister should do. But Mark Warner, I look at this situation, and it's my understanding, I think I remember correctly, that when we got into public health care like we're in, that it was a 50 50% responsibility from the federal government and successive governments, this isn't Trudeau's fault, downloaded uh, onto the provinces, and now the provinces are right to try to claw back. Well, I, the way I look at it, or the way I would phrase it slightly differently, Jerry, I would say that when we did get into um, Medicare in the 1960s, we didn't cover very much. <laughs> First of all, there have been advances, tremendous advances in medicine and science, and, and we can do a lot more. Let's say we, the big we, the royal we, all of us as human beings can do more with science. There's lots more to spend it on. We're living longer and we're able to keep people alive longer. And my own view of this is that we've really never had a, had a because of the way we talk about healthcare in Canada in these very ideological terms, we've never really confronted the fact that the world has evolved around us and whether the structures to which we deliver healthcare the very limited healthcare that we delivered and called it universal in the 1960s can work in 2022. And I, it just seems to me no government at the federal level anyway, perhaps even also at most provincial levels, have prepared the country to have that conversation, which is the one we really have to have.
So, Laura, you're in Hamilton, and a couple of things have happened there that I'd like you to comment on. One was uh, a back and forth between a couple of councillors. One was talking about an increase in taxes would hurt the regular taxpayer, and then another councillor jumps up and acts as though saying regular taxpayers is racist. And the latter councillor was asked to apologize or leave. Now, these councillors may have their own back and forth and, uh, and, and personal um, problems with one another in the first place, but... I, I can't believe that anybody hears the term regular taxpayer and thinks that's racist. Uh, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, Jerry, and there's always context, but I'll try to be quick. The counselor who said the everyday taxpayers is actually my counselor. He's been a counselor for, I think, 35 years, and he regularly uses that in a way to sort of stratify um, the citizens here in his ward, which is to say that the taxpayers are somehow, you know, a priority over the other residents of the ward, you know, for instance, renters or other people like that. So it's the stratification that offended the new counselor. Uh, who is in a ward where there's you know lower income rates and he feels as though that other counselor brings it up in a way that really leads to stratification so i don't think so much he was pointing towards the racist tones that we heard in the old in the old stock canadian line from harper it was more that harper was using old stock canadian to also stratify canadians in terms of whose opinion had more precedent more precedent so that's what it was about okay wait you a have minute to know the wait a minute <laughs> renters pay taxes laura I understand that. I understand that. I do. But what I'm saying is that Tom Jackson, who is my counselor for 35 years, so I've listened to this for a long time, Jerry, always talks about everyday taxpayers in his ward and them speaking with this kind of unified voice. And that rankled the other counselor because it's used in a way that sort of says, you know, the people who are these taxpayers, we should be listening to them. We shouldn't be listening to everybody else. They don't have the same weight. That's how the comment was interpreted based on the history of how that counselor talks. So yes, it's a leap to this idea of the racism that was in the old stock Canadian line by Harper, but it was more about saying certain people's opinions matter more than others. And that's why the other counselor got upset. Okay, but he also used the word diverse and that kind of thing. He was making it a race issue. And so because it's a race issue, Mark Warner, for those who can't tell, you're a black man. Are you a regular taxpayer? Um, do I have to answer that on the radio? I lack the context. I was listening to what Laura said. I didn't really hear it. I mean, I could see context in which, which somebody pointing to parts of a city uh, that pay more versus other parts of the city that don't uh, could be perceived as, as, as racist. Um, I just don't know the context for Hamilton. You know, we, 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 in the Toronto context, obviously, we know this when people used to talk about various regions of the city and, and sort of make oblique references without specifically talking about race. I, I just don't know enough about Hamilton to know what was going on there. Yeah. Um, and that's it. It's the oblique reference, right? That's the point, is that it's contextual in the conversation of these counselors. All right. Well, I think the one, you know, I made this comment early this morning. I'll make it again. If you decide to be a hammer, everything's a nail. And so the guy who made the comment that this was somehow a, a, a racist statement, I think, is looking for that kind of stuff and is not really helpful. And I was, uh, I, I was pleased to see that the council recognized that and told him to apologize or get out. Um, meanwhile, we have um, yesterday the president president of the United States giving the State of the Union address, and then he said this. And when we do these projects, and again, I get criticized for this, but I make no excuses for it. We're going to buy American. We're going to buy American. Folks. And it's totally, it's totally consistent with international trade rules. 
Buy America has been the law since 1933, but for too long, past administrations, Democrat and Republican, have fought to get around it. Not anymore. Tonight, I'm announcing new standards require all construction materials used in federal infrastructure projects to be made in America. Okay, Mark Warner, international trade lawyer. I'll tell you what I heard. Not with me around. By God, you're going to pay more for construction while I'm president. And should Canadians be alarmed by this? Well, you know, first of all, you know, it's weird, Jerry. I stopped giving interviews on, on Buy American last year because I got really tired of uh, this conversation in Canada because we have an awful lot of Buy Ontario and Buy Canada. In fact, the leading WTO case on government procurement comes from something I worked on under the McGuinty government called the Green Energy Act. And so you know, part of the reason you hear this from Americans is Americans at this point in history are completely tired of the hypocrisy of the rest of the world when it comes to government procurement. I mean, everybody has all sorts of procurement across the board and then they go nuts when it talks about the United States. So that's why Americans like Biden, who actually negotiated an exemption for Canada last time around when we had the Great Recession, and my guess is we'll get some kind of an exemption in addition to the WTO agreements that Canada is part of. But uh, one of the reasons no one's listening to this in the United States is because the countries that are complaining do a lot of this themselves. Okay, Canada. Robert Benzie, I, I think that uh, by American, by Ontario, by Canada is the ultimate in populist politics. Well, I mean, it's it's populist politics, but it's also it plays well to the, ba- the different bases. Uh, to Mark's point, I mean, uh, for Joe Biden's base of unionized workers in the United States, that's a this is a, it's a popular sentiment. But Mark's right. I mean, China is one of the most protectionist economies in the world. And good luck, to, you know, doing the kind of trade that China does in the United States or Canada with China. It's, we have lots of issues with that. Um, and I, so I think it's it's a little it's true. We, we, we complain about Buy America when there are lots of nationalist protectionist uh, um, uh, trade policies around the world. Uh, and yeah, here in Ontario, we have Buy Ontario. Uh, we I mean, we saw during the pandemic the, 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 the rhetoric that was uh, Rattled up because of the uh, uh, problems with PPE and all those other things, and now and Ontario's making things a priority here that it wasn't before. So it's you know it's it's plus ça change, plus ça la même chose. All right. Um, do you want to interpret that and then comment, Laura? the more changes the more it stays the same listen biden had to do a a chest pumping performance last night obviously he's planning on running again at least that's the expectation he was even using his possible re-election line let's finish the job you know for the wonks who are paying close attention he has managed to get a whole lot of legislation through in two years it's impressive how much he's actually accomplished but he does look like somebody who uh, does he have five more years in him. So he has to come out strong. He has to, you know, fire up uh, not just the base, but the country. He's got so few opportunities like the State of the Union last night to really cut through the, the media in the U.S. As we know, uh, it's very hard to get eyeballs and ears anymore. So this was him just trying to hype up the American spirit. Uh, and I agree, there'll probably be some sort of Uh, loopholes for Canadians for trade. It'll be further negotiated, but Buy American is a sentiment that made him look strong. All right, so uh, Robert Benzie, one of the things that is interesting about this next story is that it's being reported in conservative and liberal outlets in
in the media, various different papers, including yours, The Star. And there's a thought in Ottawa that uh, Justin Trudeau is losing control over his caucus. We invest uh, all the power pretty much in the leaders of political parties in Canada. I think to our detriment, I want my local official to be free to say what they mean and or, uh, what they want and vote the way they want. doesn't work that way. But Trudeau seems to be losing control. What does that mean? Well, I mean, I don't, I mean, it, certainly on this particular language law, he's got some, there's fractiousness in his caucus. And it's what you have a situation where you have a Franco Ontarian um, uh, MP complaining about uh, changes to the Officials Languages Act that, uh, that, that the, the, this MP feels will be bad for Francophones outside Quebec, whereas you have a Francophone Quebec MP, uh, Marc Garneau, in Montreal uh, complaining about the changes will make it hard for uh, the linguistic minority of Anglophones in Quebec. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's the classic two solitudes that, you know, the, the, the friction that has always existed uh, in Canada and in, in political circles and i think I'm, I'm pretty sure trudeau as someone who is really genuinely half francophone half anglophone will be able to, uh, to navigate it but it's not not a good look for him for sure you don't think it's a problem for him mark warner no i think i think that it's, it's probably more than just this francophone bill there, there, there do seem to be more and more voices from uh from the caucus on other issues they're still very tentative um, but they're, but you're hearing more and more dissent, which is perhaps not so unexpected for, you know, a serial minority parliament leader and, uh, you know, eight years into his term. But I still think he has control of, of the most of that caucus because most of them are there only because of his last name. Mark Warner. And they know it. Yeah. Mark Warner, Laura Babcock, Robert Benzie. Thanks to you. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.